Oh, she was telling some story about uh, Jason Sudeikis. So he is in England shooting season two of Dead Lasso, which is what I had kind of hypothesized. So it was like two or three a.m. Wow. Uh, oh. When he was doing his acceptance speech. And yeah. apparently, it's crazy. Olivia Wilde and him, they're living together so that their kids can see both of them. And I didn't realize this, but apparently Olivia Wilde like and like Harry Styles are a thing. And she's like going back and forth between them. What? Okay, I did not know that. You can't. Are you serious? Apparently, there's been like photos of her going in and out of Harry Styles. Like Harry house, Styles? Yeah. He's like 20. Well, he's older than that, I think. A little bit older than well, that. Well, yeah, but, but that's yeah. ridiculous. I was like, can you imagine? Like, Jason Sudeikis, he's living with his ex, I guess, technically not ex wife. Like, no, but that's freaking, cre- that's freaking creepy, honestly, right? Because she makes that, she makes book smart, right? With these kids who are the age of the person that she is now freaking dating. He's 27, so that's a little bit better than we thought. Not nearly as bad as we originally had. Suspected. Yeah, but, but still, I don't know. It's a little, oh. like, it's a little weird when, when he's like in her movie, right? Like, Yeah, that's true. He, he is, yeah. That is that is a wild story. So like, no wonder Jason Sudeikis one is like 2 or 3 a.m. And he's just like getting wrecked in his personal life right now. That's Yeah, that's awful. <laughs> Poor guy. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, seriously. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Some Like It Scott, episode 131. Today, we're not reviewing any movies. Instead, we're more or less reviewing an award ceremony for film as we talk about the Golden Globes, or the most recent, I should say, Golden Globes Awards that, uh, as of recording, happened last night. Usually, it's this is like an anniversary episode for us. This would normally be our third anniversary uh, of the podcast, but thanks to covid the ceremony was delayed about two years, so rather than its first week in January air date, it is, I guess it was February 28th when the award show happened, but we'll get to that in a second. With me today, as always, I have my co-host, Scott Harvey. Scott, how are you doing? I'm good. When you said the ceremony was delayed for a second, I thought you were referring to our anniversary. I was like, well, I don't know if it's right to call it a ceremony, but uh, I guess COVID did delay the anniversary a little bit, right? Because you're right, this is... Uh, and in delaying the Golden Globes, it also delayed sort of our anniversary. Not literally, of course, because the date that we started this didn't change. But sure. um, in terms, like you said, of, of doing our our annual Golden Globes recap. But I'm doing good. We uh, we watched the show together last night, which was kind of a, a fun experience. And yeah. it, ha- it has, doesn't seem like that's worked out in the past couple of years, at least not with like the Oscars and stuff to where we could um, – watch at the same time like last year i know i had mock trial during the oscars um, i know i was i was gonna fly down to north carolina yeah. wasn't i and, and we were gonna watch i like had tickets and everything we were oh, gonna man. go yeah what we were gonna go to the party at aperture uh, yeah and instead i had to go to regionals and watch us not make it to orcs again so um one day one day yeah probably would have preferred the oscars but yeah no <laughs> one day when, when all this is over. especially with parasite I, winning last year i mean yeah gracious yeah. i mean it was it was pretty awesome but hey these golden globes were surprisingly a lot of fun to watch, and there were a lot of uh, winners that I was pleased about on the evening, which it is not something that I can always say. So. Yeah, yeah, I felt like 
I mean, we both just before we went live, we were talking about how we both listened to the the Big Picture podcast earlier um, today, and and I have to say that I think I agree with Amanda Dobbins about her assessment of like, you know, e- even though I have a lot of mixed feelings about the Golden Globes or specifically the HFPA, I don't know. Like, I kind of had a good time last night. Um, maybe yeah. that makes me a bad person for saying that. I don't know, but we'll talk more about the ceremony as a whole. I think a little bit later on and maybe the different uh, more political elements of it. Although I think you could argue the whole thing is political from uh, uh, the first award, you know, that we're going to be talking about tonight. But uh, regardless, let's go ahead and, and and jump right in and talk about the big winners. I think there's a lot of winners uh, last night. I think a lot of things that went really well for certain people. And I want to talk about what that means for maybe their, you know, d- down season uh, contention for things like the Oscars and maybe other, frankly, probably bigger award shows than, than the Golden Globes. But to start, I don't think there's anywhere else we can start except talking about Nomadland, which took home the best picture drama category. So sort of the biggest award that there is uh, at, at the ceremony, as well as best director, probably. I mean, maybe this is a bit controversial, but probably the second biggest award uh, at the show uh, for Chloe Zhao, who is, of course, the director of Nomadland. And Scott, I think that I well, I should say I know that you were really happy about this. I was happy as well. Does and I guess my first question then is uh, coming off of that is going to be: Does that mean Nomadland is the movie to beat for the rest of the season? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you would think. Um, I mean, that's kind of what I felt like going into this, right? Like la- last week when we talked about Nomadland, we referred to it, or at least I referred to it as the front runner for best picture, and. I believed that at the time, but I certainly believe it a lot more now than I did um, when I said it there. Cause I think, you know, last week we felt like there were some movies that were, you know, circling around there as well. Trial of the Chicago seven, I think for me was the movie that I also thought, well, th- this is maybe like the second, um, second in the mix. And, you know, it did win the best screenplay award, um, which I kind of would not, would, would not be surprised to see it win at the Oscars as well. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that the best picture race is over. Certainly not. Because last year, you know, I, I believe if I'm remembering correctly, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood won this award um, for best motion picture drama. And by the time the Oscars came around, um, was kind of out of the race. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, you know, the stranger things have happened. Uh, but it does feel like with Nomadland coming out when it did, right, all of the buzz is behind this movie. You add in the fact that it has like the built-in diversity component of Chloe Zhao having directed it. Um, She is the only the second woman to ever win a Golden Globe for Best Director, Barbara Streisand being the other one. First woman, person of color, of course. If she wins the Academy Award, she will be only the second woman to win the Academy Award for Best Director, first first female person of color, of course. Um, And so there's, you know, there's those points. I I mean, it's cynical to refer to them as points, but you know, the Academy is probably going to look at it that way, considering how bad their history has been recently with diversity. Um, and so, you know, you, you could see them going the Nomadland route for that reason, too. Right. Or at the very least going picking Chloe Zhao for best director. Um, and I do think that she will almost certainly win best director. I, I'd be surprised if anyone else wins best director. Maybe David Fincher has a chance. I, I don't really know. But um I think Chloe Zhao is the clear front runner for best director. And, you know, as it happens, best director, the film that wins best director usually ends up going on to win best picture. Uh, We saw it last year with Parasite. Um, So, yes, I I definitely think that this is the front runner. 
again, it's a surprising film um, just because of the type of film that it is to be, you know, such, uh, such, I think the clear front runner at this point. Um, but of course I'm absolutely delighted. Uh, it was my favorite film of 2020 by a long shot. Um, and so if it does go on to win the Oscar for best picture, it will be one of the rare years where they got it right. Yeah. I think it's a, I, I, it is hard to say that it's a, it's a surprise. I think to say that Nomad led won these two big awards. If you look at just the critical consensus, of course, which is not the HFPA, but the critical consensus is definitely in the camp of, you know, this is one of the best movies of the year. It certainly seems like it was a favorite going into the night, but nevertheless, I think it's always important to, you know, deliver on those expectations in these early award shows or you can lose steam pretty quickly. And I, and I think I want to talk a little bit later on uh, about some of the question marks, I think, around some of the films that, you know, maybe they weren't full on losers, although in some case, some of them were, but ones that underperformed maybe a little bit and talk a little bit about whether that is going to you know make them DOA by the time the Academy Awards rolls around, which is always some time between the Golden Globes and the Oscars, but is even longer this year. And so that as that campaign trail stretches out further, I think it does add a little bit of an extra dynamic. Um, how you can, well, if, A, if you're Nomadland, maintain that head of steam that you maybe start to build with wins here at the Golden Globes. But if you're not Nomadlander and, you know, if you're some of these movies that that really, they weren't necessarily favorites, but they were contenders in lots of different areas and maybe didn't deliver on those. Can they recover from that with the extra time? And again, we'll get to all those things a little bit later on, but it's a good sign for Nomadland. I think they would be definitely not wrong <laughs> if if all the big awards went to Nomadland uh, at, yeah. at the end of the year. And, you know, the release thing, too, like I, I was saying, you know, it, it just yeah. got released on hulu and that was where parasite was last year right and people i think started catching up with it around awards season um and i think that will be even more the case with nomad land right having won the big prize now um and you know people talking about it because of that uh with it so readily accessible to a lot of people right there on hulu um yeah. i think that's a plus for them in terms of building up the steam now of course the trial of the chicago seven um is on netflix but it's been out for quite a while, right? Like it's September. been talked about for quite a while. It feels like the Nomadland discourse, even though like we've known about this movie for a while, we've known how you know well it is regarded. It feels like the Nomadland discourse is just starting. And now that they've had this huge win, um, it feels like they're going to have a lot of momentum to you know be able to carry them forth over, like you said, what is a more substantial break than usual between the two award shows. So I think it has that going for it as well. Yep. Yeah, I'd agree with that. The other big winner coming out of the night uh, in the comedy era and musical category is Borat's subsequent movie film. It won Best Picture, Comedy or Musical, and Best Actor, Comedy or Musical for Sasha Baron Cohen. In the past, it's hard necessarily to translate wins in the comedy or musical category to meaningful award success down the road in award season. But those films that do win comedy or musical at the Globes usually do get nominated for an Oscar for Best Picture uh, when those nominations come around, Scott. And I'd love to hear, A, your thoughts on this film coming out on top against things like Hamilton and, and Palm Springs. We won't even mention the other two in the category. Uh, and whether or not you think that in this particular year, in with this particular kind of movie, can it maybe outperform past winners of this, ca of this category you know, further down the line? 
I, I think it's still fighting a very uphill battle to get into that best picture race to even get nominated. Um, and part of that is, and this is, you know, this is one of the reasons why I'm happy to see it win. I mean, this is a straight up comedy through and through. Like there's no yeah. uh, ifs, ands, or buts about what genre this falls into. And a lot of times with the comedy or musical category, again, it's just kind of a bucket that the the yeah. HFPA throws everything else into. And a lot of times the movie, like something like The Favorite, for example, yeah, wins the comedy or musical. Yeah. And you're like, I mean, it's it has funny moments, but like, is this really a it comedy? Does have it's jokes. just like, again it's genre stuff it's stuff they just don't know what to do with this is a comedy like again there's there's no denying that and so it's nice to see that a movie like that is able to win and a movie that i think is so of the current moment i mean i I really enjoyed the movie i've seen it twice now um and i do think it's you know better than the first film and i was glad to see sasha baron cohen win as well for the acting category because um you know i think what he has done with both of these films is such like a cultural achievement, right? To like this character of Borat is now just so in the zeitgeist and he's established like a comic persona, all his own with this, um, you know, character and his fearlessness, uh, his willingness to go to extreme links in order to like make his, make his point, get it, get the reactions that he wants. Um, I think is something that we underappreciate, <laughs> underappreciate. And it's really he's really given a comedic two to four tour de force in these two movies. Um, so I think that it's nice to see him recognized sort of for the breadth of his work, right? Because you know he's done other stuff too. He's had a bunch well, of different. He characters. did another movie this year that he was nominated for. Yeah, um, but he, even in the comedy sphere, you know, with Ali G and Bruno and sure. Dictator, uh, some of these, you know, maybe yeah. with a higher success rate than others. But the point is, he's been able to stay relevant in comedy doing something fresh every time, creating these sort of new characters that are are different from a lot of stuff that we've seen. So I think he's a strong personality in the comedy world and it, it was nice to see him win. And it was nice to see this film get recognized because I did enjoy it a lot. And also because, again, I think because it is just a straight up comedy, it has some, you know, it, it's it's not afraid to go really out there. Uh, and, you know, I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't I wouldn't be, you know, shocked if it offends the sensibilities of some of the I mean, you know, the joke is that the Academy uh, is a bunch of boomers. But like, you know, there are demographics that kind of confirm that. Right. Like uh, that the the age range of the Academy is is pretty high. The average age of the Academy members are pretty high. Um, and I could see them you know, being like some of the older folks in Borat's subsequent movie film, right? Like yeah. it, at the debutante ball, for example, but like that scene in, it is the one that just stands out in my head, I guess, right off the bat um, as, yeah. you know, some people are going to be rubbed the wrong way um, by this. And so I think the movie definitely have, is fighting an uphill battle um, to get into that race because there were a lot of strong dramas, I think, this year, just far beyond the five that got nominated. And, and I just want to say on another point, it's weird to me that ha- the whole Hamilton thing is even weirder to me now than it was when it got nominated. Because, like, you know, I enjoyed Borat quite a bit, but, like, how are you going to put Hamilton in here and then not choose it as the best comedy? I mean, this is one of the greatest pieces of art that has been created in our lifetimes, let alone comedy, musical, drama, whatever you want to classify it as. Um, and, and so for it to lose to, out to Borat, like, I don't get what the point of nominating it was in the first place. I mean, I personally don't feel that it should have been nominated in the first place because it's its own thing. It's a concert film. Um, 
but it just feels a little strange now that they they recognized it but were like no we're going to say that borat was the stronger film in this category than hamilton i'm not sure that i agree with that at all yeah it's an interesting point and it's one that i think funnily enough is just kind of sort of like skirted around conversation i think like it just seems yeah. like people at least i say people maybe like film twitter and film like it just seems like people have like ignored the fact or accepted the fact that the hfpa did something weird when nominating hamilton and we're just not really gonna acknowledge that right because it felt like the conversation that i had listened to was mainly around will palm springs win this or will borat win this and it didn't really seem like many people were actually considering hamilton um it was like people knew from the beginning that it shouldn't have been in there well, and right, yeah, which, which makes it even more confusing than the, why I get nominated at all, right? Because right? I and, and I do agree with your point there around. Well, if you're not going to select it, then why was it nominated um, in in the first place? Which beats me. <laughs> but here we are. Uh, yeah. So in, in I guess just to touch briefly on it, I will say that I don't think the best motion picture or sorry, best actor in a motion picture, musical or comedy, was a super strong category this year, with the exception of you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda also being in it, maybe say Andy Samberg as well. So maybe not the biggest surprise that, you know, Sasha Baron Cohen comes on top in that category, but we'll see if that, if that builds him some steam, maybe he picks up some other nominations and other award shows. And I don't see him getting in the conversation for, I mean, best actor is a pretty stacked category. I think this year, um, at least at the top, maybe he sneaks in um, towards the bottom of, of the list, but I'd be a little bit surprised that this film, you know, kind of like you're alluding to here, goes much further than its success here at the Golden Globes. I think I'm a, I'm a little bit more mixed on its, you know, impact on a group of people like the Academy. I think that it might be a little bit more tailored to its to that viewing audience than than you're giving it credit for. Not because of the age demographics that you're talking about, because that's not you know, inaccurate. But I think the the appeal politically, I think, is strong because there is there is a big divide between Hollywood, you know, and uh, and the target, you know, uh, I guess uh, where uh, the target of the jokes in this movie most of the time are elsewhere. Right. Like there's a there are some anti-Semitic jokes in here. There are um, I mean, obviously, strongly politically charged um, jokes in this. And I think that those elements will probably still appeal to a lot of the Academy, if it, if for no other reason than just simply to virtue signal. Uh, yeah. So one or the other. So I think I give it a little bit more credit. And, you know, I don't know how many people, how many films are going to be nominated this year for Best Picture, because that does still, I think this is the last year where it's like a variable number between six and 10 get nominated. I think that it's possible that it sneaks in as one of the sort of last ones in just for the film that it is, right? And no, absolutely no chance that it would win, but it, I could see it getting nominated. And it's it's an honor to be nominated. So there you go. Yeah, I, I would be happy to see it nominated, especially because, I mean, you know, some of the films that are going to be nominated, I don't care for particularly, you know, Promising Young Woman. I mean, yeah. Ma, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is a fine movie, but it shouldn't be in the best picture category, in my opinion, but it will be. Yeah. Um, well, and yeah, well, on I, that I, note, mean, I, I would rather see Borat get in there over those. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. And, and I think on that note, why why don't we go there? Because I think that now, I mean, those were the two movies at the award show that won two awards. Uh, the rest, uh, pretty much the rest, I think every other category um, was a unique winner. There was only, you know, one award for every, every other movie that won an award at the show last night. So why don't we go there first? Because I think that in terms of, you know, big winners, it wasn't a surprise that the, that this actor won his award. 
but nevertheless, I think the impact of him winning that award and the subsequent speech from, uh, you know, this actor's wife was, you know, one of the most overwhelming moments of the night. And that's Chadwick Boseman. You know, maybe I would have personally voted for Riz Ahmed because um, I do think that his performance still is the, the best one of the year for me. But I can't fault uh, any award show from last night to the end of the season giving the award to Chadwick Boseman. I think that there's a lot that goes into an award. And I think a, a, an award can mean a lot more than just who was the best, you know, on paper. Right. And I, and I think that a lot goes into uh, awarding someone posthumously, especially when the work that they were awarded for was as strong as it was for Chadwick Boseman here in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. He was spectacular. You know, for me, it was the best performance that I'd seen him in on screen. I haven't seen all of his work, but it is the best that I had seen him seen him and the cultural significance you know not just from you know a, a you know black a black representation in movies and and award shows right but you know the cultural impact that he's had as a as a human being and the characters that he's played it it felt more than right to award him for both his career but also for the singular performance that is you know his character in uh at, at levy green in ma Rainey's black bottom and the speech certainly delivered i I don't know, like I, I teared up during it. Absolutely. Um, you know, I don't think you could be blamed if, if you did the same while you were watching the award show. Scott, what are you, what were your thoughts on this? I think it's, it almost feels like a foregone conclusion that every award show from now until the end of April is going to give Chadwick Boseman the best actor award. But what are your thoughts? Yeah. And I mean, look, that was the thing as, as powerful as that speech was, I was sitting there like, you got to save this for the Oscars, right? Because yeah, what is she going to um, do for the Oscars? He's going to win the Oscars. Uh, I mean, she she already has done way more than she you know needed to do. Honestly, like no, no one needed her to get up there and make that speech, but like the strength and courage that his wife showed to do that um, is something that I can't even fathom, really. Um, and yeah, it was a it was a phenomenal speech, um, very emotional. And this was one of the things like I I like some of the Zoom format stuff. Like I thought there was just some fun you know, quirks of it and, you know, getting to see like everyone with their families was cool and in their homes or, you know, whatever place they were at for the award show. Um, you know, some of that stuff was interesting. This was kind of the one moment or one of the only moments in the night where I was like, I wish that they had been in person in a full room. Right. Cause I think, um, number one, yeah. you know, it, we deserve to see like the full appreciation from everyone for Chadwick Boseman. Number two, there's just something like imper a little more impersonal about like the, you know, online format. Like, you know, she's just sitting on her couch. No one's around her. It's virtual, whatever. She's disconnected from everyone else, including us, the audience. Um, and like that was such a like, you know, personal, heartfelt, honest um, speech that she was giving. It just felt like there was a disconnect there, right, between the medium in which the speech was being given and the actual speech itself. So that is one um, moment where I think the digital format was what, you know, hampered what was going on, even though in other places I felt like, you know, it, it gave us something different, which I kind of appreciated, but yeah, no, this was, this was, uh, we expected it, but, uh, you know, it, it was no less well-earned. I think, you know, I, I'm with you. I may have my quibbles about, eh, well, maybe I could point to one or two performances that were slightly, um, better than Chadwick's, but, uh, I'm, I'm certainly not going to complain about him, uh, winning this award posthumously. Um, and I think that, you know, all roads suggest that, like you said, he will be cleaning up for the rest of the award season in this category. Yeah. And, you know, it's one thing 
who I think we've talked about last year, maybe the like lifetime achievement type awards, or maybe two years ago when Glenn Close was nominated um, for the wife. And, you know, the, in some ways, this might be a lifetime achievement award type thing, but at, at least it was, you know, a, a truly great performance from him that he is getting awarded for. And yeah, look, at, I don't think there's any way that he doesn't clean up from from now to the end of the season. So I'm sure we'll be talking about that more again in the future. And uh, yeah, I, I'll be interested to see what what the Academy does for their format. I mean, they are going to be, you know, they, it is going to be some sort of hybrid award show that we know similar to the Globes here. Probably not the same in execution, I'd imagine, but some sort of hybrid like that. And I wonder if they could maybe, you know, for certain award type thing, like have like with Jane Fonda, with the Cecil B. DeMille, et cetera. That's a little bit questionable, of course, because like that would presume then that he's like they know he that Chadwick Boseman would be winning the award. But I, I do agree with what you're saying there. And it, it it is a real shame on many levels, but most of which that, you know, you're talking about her being like there's like two screens between us right when uh between the people who are receiving the awards and us the audience because there's their zoom camera and then there's you know of course our our tv and i think that's a real it it is a it, it does really impede i think certain elements of it and and that especially for like the you know the emotional high points and emotional moments it really does create an extra barrier for the audience but i also wonder like Man, not to say that that speech is any easier to give in front of a you know a, a packed Beverly you know Hilton Hotel ballroom or whatever, but like at least you feel the warmth of other people in that moment, and I, I just think it makes that speech so much harder to give in some yeah. ways, uh, not not necessarily in all ways, but in some ways harder to give uh, in the isolation of you know being in your own home on on the couch. Yeah, feeling the emptiness that would have exactly. been filled by him other yeah. otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. Not not to say that she doesn't she wouldn't still feel empty and feel similarly in in the ballroom with everyone else. But I don't know. It's a, it's a different moment. But yeah, I can't imagine what she's you know still going through. But regardless, going from Chadwick Boseman to the best supporting actor category, where I, again I don't know if you look back and call it a surprise that you know Daniel Kaluuya wins for Judas and the Black Messiah. I mean, we certainly praised his performance on our Judas and the Black Messiah episode a few weeks back. And he was certainly our pick, uh, you know, on a personal voting note for that award. I, I believe I'm, I'm fair in saying that for the both of us, but it did still feel like a big win um, and not a guaranteed one necessarily. Cause the supporting actor category also, I, I actually am blanking right now, whether or not it had, um, I don't believe I don't actually don't believe Chadwick Boseman was nominated in the supporting actor category at the globes, but it did have, Sasha Baron Cohen for the Chicago Travel Chicago Seven, Leslie Adam Jr. for One Night in Miami, who I think we're both, you know, talked about as potentially winning this category. So again, I don't know that Daniel Clue was necessarily behind those people necessarily in in odds, if you will, but it still felt like not a guarantee that he would win this award. And the fact that he does win this award, you know, like we've talked about with Chloe Zhao, Nomad Land, and I don't think Chadwick Boseman necessarily catapulted to the front of the conversation, but does this win? catapult Daniel Cooley to the front of the conversation. Do you expect to see him, you know, taking home the awards and basically making this category kind of like it's been the last several years where it feels like by the time the Academy, the Academy Awards rolls around that it's done and dusted. I do. Um, I think that uh, he is the front runner now. Again, the hype machine is real, right? I think this yeah. movie just came out a couple of weeks ago and people are like, people have been talking about Daniel Kaluuya, right? For, 
going on four years now, ever since Get Out, like, hey, this guy is is crazy good. And now, you know, he's in this movie. It's an Oscar, Oscar-y movie to some extent, although I don't think it is as Oscar-y as it appears, right? Um, and, you know, it's right there on HBO Max, just hit theaters. People are watching it. People are being blown away by the story. He plays a really big character in it. Um, yeah. I, I totally get it. And and the one thing that does kind of suck about this is that is the whole like right the narrative around the HFPA going into this not having any black members and yeah. um, you know struggling with diversity that of course now there are going to be people who look at this as oh well they are just trying to kowtow to um, you know the people who want diversity um, by having a lot of black actors win awards on the night um, because there were quite a few. Um, and that's just not the case. Daniel Kaluuya was the best performance in this category. He was probably the best supporting actress actor performance of last year. Um, he was also probably the best supporting actress performance too, if, if you compare the two categories. Yeah. Um, but no, seriously, um, he he was he was phenomenal in the movie, and it it sucks. And and the same goes for John Boyega, right? Who won in like those were the first two awards of the night. Daniel Kaluuya wins for best supporting actor in a movie. John Boyega wins for Best Supporting Actor in a TV Series for Red, White, and Blue, the small axe film. Um, the film. And right off the bat, you know, both, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Both uh, both actors were incredible in their respective projects. But right away, it's like, oh, here we go. The first two awards, you know, they're, they're yeah. uh, just trying to get the diversity picks in, which is not at all the case. Um, now, yeah. there was a, a one film, which we, or one winner, which we'll talk about. We'll talk about literally the next person we're talking about. So keep going. Do, does, does, uh, you know, raise a little more question marks, I think, but, but, you know, and to, to forecast that, I, what, what I will say is I think where the suspense is going to be when we get into Oscars season is the actress categories, right? Supporting actress and lead actors, because I think after the golden globes, I, I don't think anyone knows what the hell is going on at this category. Yeah, look, I guess one final note on Daniel Kaluuya. Give the man all the awards. I mean, seriously, give him everything. Um, he's yeah. absolutely incredible. So that's not his first time being an absolute legend uh, on the screen. And the guy's like 31. So, yeah, keep running those awards on him. He absolutely deserve it. Before we do move to that next that next category that I think we both know that we're about to talk about, I do want to have a question for you. Because Judas and the Black Messiah, definitely not a film that was overrepresented in the nominations. I believe that Kaluuya actually was the only nomination for the mm -hmm. film. And I guess one, I mean, we have our personal thoughts on like that. I think that's a little bit crazy. The fact that it only got one nomination at all in this award show. Although I think there's, it, it's much, I guess, more angled, I think towards other award shows with technical categories as well. Cause I think there's a lot of technical components to the movie, but I'm curious, let's take, let's put all that aside and think about maybe, maybe the, the eccentricities of the globes versus other award shows aside. And do you think that this win for Kaluuya, you know, not only does it boost him and his, sort of stock in in the races moving forward. But do you think it's going to have an effect on Judas and the Black Messiah stock going forward as well? Like, will we hear more conversation around maybe Lakeith Stanfield in the best actor category? Will we hear more conversation around Shaka King in the director category? Will we hear more conversation about it being in the, you know, nominated for best picture? You know, I would lean towards saying, I think it has a chance that that happens, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think so. I think that again, the momentum seems to just be ramping up for this film um, yeah. because it's so recent. And again, now it gets this award when it has, you know, again, two movie stars, people that I think are movie stars in it with yeah. Baluya and Keith Stanfield. It's a historical story. 
Um, and people can watch it, you know, for a couple more weeks at least on HBO Max. And it's relevant. Um, it's like culture. I mean, like, and it, maybe this is obviously, but it's like very yeah. politically and culturally relevant. And it's relevant. And it's a really great movie. Like, I, I, I think it's one that, you know, can be enjoyed by even the casual moviegoer, right? Like, I, I don't think that this yeah. is something like Nomadland, right? Where like, I mean, I think it's incredible. It's my favorite movie of last year. But I understand there is a subsection of the of movie going audience out there that is going to be, you know, bored or disconnected sure. from this, perhaps. Yeah. But uh, I don't think that's the case with Judas and the Black Messiah. I think this is like, you know, perfect mainstream filmmaking almost in a way. Yeah. Um, it's a blockbuster. And it, it is like uh, that. It's yeah. the ultimate truth is that it's a, it's an event film like that. It it, it is, and so I think that um, I think that it is going to ramp up momentum, and I do think it will get itself into the best picture race. I don't know about Keith Stanfield's chances. I do, but I do think I do expect to see this movie nominated for best picture. I don't know about Shaka King's chances either, but I again I do expect to see it nominated for best picture. It would not be unprecedented for something like this to happen. Like last year, right? I believe Little Women um, didn't really get any uh, attention at the Golden Globes. Maybe an acting nomination here and there, um, and the same with the SAG Awards. And then it ended up, you know, nominated in all of the major categories at the Academy Awards. So um, I think yeah. this this can happen with movies where um, you know the discussion ramps up, especially after it wins stuff and. Yeah. Um, it gets itself into that that best picture race uh, because I think it's it's a different conversation the best picture race is than you know what we have at the Golden Globes where it's only five dramas and then you have the random comedy or musicals as well uh, when you can yeah. nominate ten dramas you know something like this film is going to get itself into the race naturally yeah I think it's I think it's interesting though and I, even if it were only top five I think that it has a good chance. You know, even though it only won one award, I think it has a good chance to again be more relevant in the conversation. I think the Oscars voting body is <laughs> more diverse than than the HFPA too, uh, which doesn't hurt. You know, Not still there's, there's plenty of room for improvement. I don't mean to say that that the Oscars or the Academy has it all figured out because they have plenty of room for improvement still. But it is more amenable to that, and I think that I I think the Little Women comparison is an interesting one because I could totally see this film. You know, you know, pulling a little women like maybe it only gets a nominee. I guess the SAG Awards have already been nominated for it. I don't remember how many nominations that this film got, but I could totally see it pulling um, something like that and being nominated in, in every major category. Because I think that I think that some people in the director category are going to have a hard time, you know, through the rest of, of award season. Um, you know, some of which maybe we'll talk about later. And I wonder if those struggles will result in maybe them falling out uh, of the category in exchange for someone like a Shaka King, you know, into the, into the direct, into the direct nomination. Do I think that's like the most likely thing to happen right now? Probably maybe not, but I think that it's possible. I think it's possible. It has a chance. Um, you know, maybe we'll end up talking about this as being like, this is the Greta Gerwig of this year uh, when it comes to the director category. But nevertheless, I think that uh, I think only good things to come for Judas and the Black Messiah. And I'm hopeful that it, it breaks into the conversation and more awards than just best supporting actor. With that, though, Scott, you alluded to it. The other category, or I should say the next category uh, that featured a African-American winner. Um, I shouldn't say it was the next one because these first two came at the beginning. This one came basically at the end. And that is the best actress for motion picture drama category, you know, with the likes of Viola Davis, Vanessa Kirby, Francis McDormand, Carrie Mulligan. Kind of felt like, you know, those are the four people that everyone's talking about and, and probably still are the four 
or, or you would have thought the four people who were the sort of locks for nominations based on the conversation thus far. Turns out none of those people won. And Andra Day for the United States versus Billie Holiday, which is a film that just came out, I believe, last Friday uh, as of recording, uh, did get the win visibly shocked, uh, to say the least, when she when she won this award, as I think probably just about everyone else in the category was as well. What are your thoughts on Andrew? Well, one week, I can't really I guess we can't really say what our thoughts are because we haven't seen uh, the U.S. versus Billie Holiday. But what I will say is that, you know, maybe I guess framing the conversation the same way we framed the last few conversations. What does this mean for her chances in the rest of award season? Because I think that she was basically interchangeable with about five or six other people who might have been nominated for this category. Uh, not only have we not seen the U.S. versus Billie Holiday, I'd be curious to know, is there anyone out there who's seen this film? Does this Particularly film in exist? the HFPA. Does this film exist? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a shocking, it's a shocking win. It really is. I mean, you know, Andrew Day, this this feels like the Jennifer Hudson in Dreamgirls win, right? Like, Andrew Day is known as being a singer. Like, that is what she has made her name off of. Um, yeah. And... Uh, you know, who knows what her acting career will be like beyond this. I, I think singing is probably still her first um, interest. Um, but, you know, she gets the opportunity to play an iconic musical figure in Billie Holiday. Um, and, you know, again, like like Jennifer Hudson, she crushes it. And, and, you know, you wonder how much of this performance is about the singing, right? Like, um well, it didn't matter for it, Rami Malek, I'll tell you that much. I was about to say, it's almost like the reverse Rami Malek problem, uh, where, like, uh, somehow he's winning without, uh, you know, not singing. And yet with someone like this who, like, if they sing, like, and it's, you know, and they're they're already obviously incredibly talented at being a musician, right? Like, it's like it almost overcompensates for any uh, lack of ability that they might have for acting. And I'm not, I'm again, I'm not criticizing her acting at all. I haven't even seen the film. I haven't seen her act in anything. Um, well, you have just as much right to talk about it as, as uh, anyone who votes on the award shows then. So. I mean, yeah, you're, you're not wrong. But yeah, I mean, this, this is, it's a wild um, development. Personally, I still don't think that this, this is going to catapult it into, catapult her into the top of the Oscar race. I think maybe she's secured now that she will get the fifth nomination, right? Because I think, like you said, the other four people were pretty much locks. And I think, are still pretty much locks for a nomination. And there were maybe some you questions You think Vanessa Kirby's about, still a lock? I think Vanessa Kirby's at, really at risk here. I think Vanessa Kirby's a lock. Um, I, and the question I think was just about who that fifth nomination is gonna be. And maybe that has been answered now. But because no one has seen this film, and I don't really, I don't think it's the same situation as Judas and the Black Messiah or uh, Nomadland or something where people are gonna go watch this movie now that it's, you know, been talked about at yeah. um because people don't know andrew day like they know um daniel kaluuya and people you know this film isn't getting nominated for anything else like nomadland is you know getting nominated for all the best picture and stuff like that um so i i, I don't think this film is going to gain traction in the way that those are uh, and because of that i think it's i think she is going to have a difficult time you know passing up people like harry mulligan vanessa kirby viola davis um, you know, the, the the folks that you've mentioned there. So um, that's that's kind of my take on the whole situation. But it is it's a very surprising and, and pretty bizarre win. And I think, you know, if you are someone who went into this looking for like the try again, trying to incite that, oh, well, they're just going for the woke points. Right. They're just trying to have the most most, you know, they're just picking the diverse option in every single category. I think this is the one that, you you know, 
would be your best example to cite, you know, in, in your case that you're trying to make? I mean, I, again, I am certainly not suggesting that that was the case. Um, because again, I haven't seen the film. I haven't seen her performance, but, but the trolls um, out there. Yes. But the trolls out there, uh, I think this might be their, their best example because it's a film that no one has seen. Um, and you know, again, it does seem to be driven a lot by the musical performance aspect. Um, whereas, you know, John Boyega and Daniel Kaluuya, I think have been uniformly celebrated, universally celebrated by, um, critics and audiences alike for their performances. Uniformly is a nice pun for John Boyega's character in red, white, and blue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, a surprising win. I don't know if I have much more nuance to add beyond what you have, but it's really interesting though, right? And one of the things where I, you know, sort of lean back a little bit and say, you know, maybe this wasn't a, you know, not that I think would think this ever to begin with, I shouldn't say ever, but not that I think this to begin with, but like this doesn't necessarily feel like a diversity pick for me because if it were a diversity pick, if that's such a thing that were to exist, you have Viola Davis in this category too. Like, it's not like you have to reach down ballot here to find the diverse option in this category. Most other categories are like that for the Golden Globes, but this one has Viola Davis right there on the list. Someone who's won Golden Globes before, I'm pretty sure. Uh, right. At least for Fences. I'm, I'm almost positive that she won for Fences, if not for some other movies as well. Probably. So, yeah, so it, look, Viola Davis is right there, and that makes me think that at least a couple people in the HFPA watch this, you know, watch this, watch this film and we're really moved by it. Maybe it was the singing. Maybe it was all these things. Right? Like we can't speak to that because we haven't seen this movie yet. Um, but yeah, I I'm kind of in your boat here. I, I don't think that this will really gain much traction for this movie. Not because people who don't don't know who Andre Day is, but also because frankly, I don't know that many people in the HFP probably even know that much about who Billie Holiday is either. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if if neither of those check the box for people in the HFPA. For people in the HFPA, I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised by that, but you might be right. Well, sure. Okay, like no. Okay, no of is probably is probably is not the right way to phrase it. But like, are are people in the HFP in, a, interested in watching a biopic of Billie Holiday? Like, ask yourself that question. I, like, I don't know. I don't know why they would be. To be honest, I think they, they'd be much more interested in watching a biopic of, of Fred Hampton. Um, but maybe not because they clearly don't care about diversity very much. So anyway, moving on. I think that'll be an interesting one to watch. I do agree with that point that you made a few minutes back about this being one of the races to watch because who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Um, anyway, moving on from that, I think the next winner here, Scott, and this is this is a complicated one. We saw this with Parasite last year because it was only nominated and was only eligible to be nominated in one category, and that was best foreign language film, Minari. So Minari is not a film that we really get to talk very much about, that the conversation gets to talk very much about, really, because it was limited to this one category, because it did it was a foreign language film, although honestly, probably the most American film up there with like Judas and the Black Messiah and Nomadland uh, that you'll that you'll see in theaters, you know, in, in the year that was, I mean, I guess 2021 when I saw it, but 2020, right? So super American film for some reason in the foreign language film category because they speak Korean, but it's there. It does unsurprisingly win. Lee Isaac Chung and his daughter were, you know, absolutely adorable uh, when celebrating that award and giving the speech. And I think I got to ask the question, Scott. We've been talking a lot about these about these English language movies, right? Last year, Parasite had this narrative of, you know, is a foreign language feature film wins best foreign language feature at the Golden Globes and tears up award season from there on. Out. Wins best ensemble at the SAG Awards. Uh, you know, takes best director for Bong takes best picture at the Oscars um, overall is Minari culturally, you know, as culturally powerful a film as much of a force of a film to be able to 
if not replicate what Parasite did, but put together a race that does disrupt sort of these, you know, handful of movies we've been talking about so far, you know, for Lee Isaac Chung in the director category, you know, for Steven Yoon in the actor category, is there a chance that this film does kind of come in there and disrupt things a little bit? I'm not so sure. Um, I think it will get some nominations. I think it will get, I think it will get a best picture nomination. I do. Um, because A24, you know, is starting to have a good track record, I feel like. And this is the movie that they're going to throw their weight behind this year because um, they didn't really have anything else. But um, but yeah, no, I, I think it will get itself into the the best picture, you know, nominations. But I just don't think it has the, you know, cultural impact that Parasite has had um, to where it is. It, it doesn't have that crossover appeal, right, to where it is getting the mainstream audiences, I think. And that's just because, you know, Parasite was a thrill ride. It was a comedy. It was a satire. It was a comedy. It was, um, you know, a horror movie almost at some points. It was like an exciting genre movie almost in a way, uh, in a way that could capture those mainstream audiences. Minari yeah. is a lot more of a slice of life movie, almost like Nomadland is, right? Where, um, you know, it's got some very beautiful images, beautiful scenery, stuff like that. That's driving a lot of the film. Um, and the, but the story itself is a simple one, right? It's it's about this family. It's about them coming to terms with, you know, immigrating and um, making a new home in the Midwest. Um, and it's a beautiful film. I, I'm a huge fan of the film, um, but I just don't think that this is going to capture audiences in the same way that Par I mean, Parasite was really just kind of this, you know, cosmic yeah. explosion. I feel like of of a film that had all of these weird genre elements, but also enough like mainstream appeal, right. To again, to capture the, the Academy voters and win best picture. And I just don't think Minari has that going for it. Although Lee Isaac Chung, you know, seems like a, a, a top, top shelf uh, gentleman and uh, his, yeah. you know, speech was great. His daughter's reaction was great. So, um, you know, the, the upside is I, 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 is this in the, yeah, this is, in considered a foreign film for international film for Oscar purposes. Is it not? I don't think so. It's not. Okay. Uh, well, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, cause thing. everything about it is us, right? Like, except the fact yeah, that it's no, a, I mean, yeah, yeah. no, it, sh it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. But I was going to say the good thing is that maybe it will actually get to win something if it's in the foreign film category, but yeah. I could be wrong. I guess we'll see. I should, I should have looked at the list of, you know, eligible films, but to be, to be eligible, you have to be nominated by a country. And this film is like made in, I mean, everything about this film is made in America. So I, I don't right. think that, uh, South Korea would be in a position to even nominate it uh, as it's sort of on envoy to to the category this year. So I don't think so. No, I I, I don't think it's, it'd be eligible. And that is a shame because I do think it would be the only chance it has of winning an award. I'd love to be proven wrong. You know, this movie did not resonate with me, I think, as much as it has for some people, which I think was also the case for a film from 2019 that the, the farewell, which did not make as many waves with, you know, with the award season as some people may have initially hoped when the film had first come out. I, I do see Minari kind of going that direction. It's like maybe, maybe it gets a nomination. It sneaks mm -hmm. in and gets a nomination somewhere, you know, maybe for, um, I'm forgetting the grandmother's name right now. Maybe it gets a, it sneaks in and gets some supporting actress. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. For, um, for, for that particular role. But, I think it's going to be a tough sell. And and even though I think this was a, even if it was the favorite and this was a, a good win 
for the film. I, I don't know if it has the legs to get through the rest of the season unless it starts to, you know, win some upsets at some other award shows, unfortunately. But Lee Isaac Chung, I mean, l- go listen to some interviews out there, but I'm talking about this film. Great. He's a, he's a great, he's a great list. He's a great listen. Um, he really is an interesting guy. And part of that is because this film is about his, ch- you know, it's about his childhood. Like he is Alan Kim, uh, you know, in, in this film. And I think that un- unfortunately, I think, you know, not unlike the farewell, which what did have some real life elements for, you know, its director, Lulu Wong. I think that, uh, compared to something that was as off the wall and interesting, like parasite, these like slice of life, real life stories. I think they just, they just garner less appeal. Uh, that's just the truth of the matter. And that's a, that's a shame. shame I think it, those it, are my like, favorite types of movies. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is a shame. And it's absolutely a shame. You know, they're not as much my type of movie as yours for sure. Cause you're probably up there in the 1% of, <laughs> of uh, enjoyment with everyone else up there. But yeah, but it is a shame, uh, but I do think it's the truth though, too. And uh, it's one thing for 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 a particular type of movie, I think, and for a film that, you know, even though Bong Joon-ho stood on the stage and said so many times about how how small the barrier is to hop over to be able to explore a, an entirely new or entirely uh, uh, not entirely new because it's not that different, but like an, an entire subset of films that people just haven't seen before. But I think that when it comes to foreign language films, I don't know if if Parasite was the, you know, boundary you know wall you know boundary breaking film that we all maybe had hoped it was because i think if it was then Minari would be having more conversation around it i think that people are still looking for a particular type of movie with a foreign language film and it's a pretty unique kind of movie like parasite to really garner the attention that um a bunch of other movies deserve along with parasite but nevertheless those are my two cents take it for what it's worth maybe it'll win all the awards at the at the oscars this year and that would really be something if it did it would. <laughs> yeah all right scott last sort of i think big winner and I want to talk about some question marks is a film that I think with this win becomes sort of the favorite by far, if it wasn't already for the best animated feature category, that is of course, soul. We already kind of joked a little bit at the beginning, half joked about the whole co-director deal between Pete doctor and Kemp powers and sort of the awards um, speech that the two of them gave afterwards, which was a real head scratcher. Um, and I think kind of shows the golden globes, uh, or the HFPA a little bit for what was going on there. I think that you can definitely read some some stuff into that uh, overall. But Soul, clear winner or clear favorite in this category. It gets the win. I can't see it not getting the win throughout the rest of award season. Well, Scott. But the question I want to ask you is: Can it get a Best Picture nomination? Um, I I think that's probably a, a big ask, even in a year like this where you know that maybe the field is a little bit thinner. Uh, I don't know if I see that happening. Look, it's a it's a wonderful film. Um, I do think it will win Best Animated Feature. We know the influence that Pixar has, and this was you know they had two movies, but this was clearly the one that they were you know backing for award season yeah. um, between this and Onward. Um, but I, I think it's again, I think it's going to have a tall mountain to climb um, when we're talking about Best Picture because you only get ten films in there, and you know you usually have it's only nine. Yeah, yeah, at 10 maximum, right? Yeah, and you'd have to think that the five films which are nominated for Best Drama here are definitely going to be in the race. You throw in a Minari, right? You throw in a uh, a Judas and the Black Messiah, like we're talking about. You throw in potentially a Borat, now that it's won a Best Comedy or Musical, Golden Globe, That's and it. you're left with one. Yeah, you're left with one or two slots, right? And, um, 
you know, if they go out on the Borat limb, do they also go out on the animated limb? I don't know. Uh, I think there's some, you know, some other routes I could see them going down um, Mm -hmm. for those last couple of spots, if they even want to fill those. Um, So maybe, maybe that's the debate, right? Maybe do do we go with something different in the form of a comedy in the form of Borat, or do we go with something different in the, in the form of an animated film? Cause only, you know, two or three animated films have ever been nominated for best picture at I'm what Beauty and the Beast up anything else Beauty and the Beast was nominated Beauty and the Beast was nominated for best picture yeah that was before the best animated category though uh yeah but still I mean only I a few that. animated films have been nominated for best picture yeah. very interesting uh, yeah I think it's it's a big question mark and I lied earlier when I said that that we already talked about the two films that won two awards because Soul also won two awards it did win for best original score as well for Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. So I did lie earlier uh, when I had said that. And John Baptiste, I think he also technically gets a credit uh, on that also. But yeah, it won two awards. I I don't know how much we want to talk about the score category. I'm still rooting hard for Ludwig Göransson for Tenet, but I recognize that Reznor and Ross, especially, well, we'll see if they get double nominated, but uh, I'll be interested to see if they get double nominated. Can they split enough vote where my boy Ludwig uh, can come, can sweep in and and get the Oscar, and so I can say, you know, uh, Academy Award winning film Tenet in the future. Whenever I refer to that movie going forward, uh, that would be a dream of mine. But overall, <laughs> oh, Scott shaking his head at me. He's so disappointed. Uh, but yeah, look, overall, Soul, amazing film. It's I think that it, it's probably up there with Chadwick Boseman as like the hardest lock for definite winner uh, at the Oscar anime yeah. feature. I don't think anything's going to disrupt that. I'll be interested to see if it can sneak into that best picture category. It's it is of that quality of film where it definitely could be considered uh, for best for best picture. But we'll see. It has been a very high bar in the past to jump into that category for uh, the films that have been nominated and crossed over in that way. All right, Scott. I think the the, the next three movies I want to talk about. I think I'd cat- categorize as question marks. They all involved wins for their respective respective movies but I'm not sure what it actually means for their chances going forward. And I want to start off with someone who you didn't mention earlier when you were talking about people who were in contention for the Best Actress race, yet she still won a Best Actress award last night at the Golden Globes, and that is Rosamund Pike for a recent Netflix release, I Care A Lot. A really interesting, I didn't even think about this until just now, where I Care A Lot and uh, the U.S. versus Billy Holiday both came out last Friday as of recording. So really going for that uh, recency bias, I guess you could say. Uh, for the Globes overall here, but I think it's safe to say this was a surprise win overall. Uh, maybe you could look at the tea leaves in the past and the history of the Globes and say, yeah, they like Rosalind Pike. I don't know if they liked her enough to give her an award for I Care A Lot, but they have liked her in the past, and so maybe they they dig what she was um, doing here with this uh, very interesting movie. Very uh, self-aware movie, I'd say. But Maria Bakalova, I think, all things considered, was probably the favorite for this award going into the night. And even though Borat had success in those two categories we talked about earlier, didn't have the success here with Maria Bakalova. So Scott, two questions. One, can Rosamund Pike get nominated at, at the Academy Awards? And two, does this mean Maria Bakalova's award season is done? I think they've made a mistake with Maria Bakalova of not backing her in supporting actress. I think that it, 
that is the mistake that they made. Because I was under the impression prior to this that she was going to be in the supporting actress category. And she might be and at I, the Oscars. You don't they can submit her differently. Okay. So worse. they can. Yeah. I think we had yeah. some question about that. So so but that's what they should do if they want her to get it. Because I think we saw with Jodie Foster winning Best Supporting Actress with the Mauritanian. I think we saw that like that was basically they just detonated a bomb inside this uh supporting actress category. So I mean that is that race is almost wide open at this point. Yeah. And I feel like some chaotic neutral like choice. Maria Bakalova could easily, um, you know, sneak in there. Uh, but as far as uh, Rosamund Pike goes, sure. Like, you know, I'm talking about that fifth slot. I still feel like the other four people are, are locks. The fifth slot I still think is open despite Andrew Day's win. I don't think she's a certainty to get an Oscar nomination. I think Rosamund Pike has a chance as well, right? She got nominated for Gone Girl, which I understand this to be a fairly similar role. Um, Again, this is a recent streaming release. It's on Netflix. People do seem to be talking about this movie, from what I understand. Um, and her yes. performance, her, her performance is, you know, the selling point of this movie. Like, it, it seems like, yeah. again, from what I understand, that, you know, you come out of this movie and the number one thing on your mind is probably her performance. Um, yeah, look, I can speak to it because I, I actually watched the movie yeah. over the weekend. I think that there's a lot of very interesting elements in the movie. She's probably not the strongest part. I think, honestly, Diane Vist is probably the strongest part of the movie. But uh, Rosamund Pike certainly makes an impact uh, with her performance. And it, and it isn't that dissimilar. Uh, she's very sort of like two-faced, maybe even like stereotypical, like evil woman, almost, you know, tr almost like a Katie Holmes, I guess, type figure in, in a way. Um, but overall, I think that it, it's a it's an interesting performance. Not one that I'd finger like I'd point out, be like, yeah, this is going to be an awards winning performance because uh, that's just not the kind of movie that it is, frankly. Um, but yeah, I'm very intrigued. She did get nominated for a similar performance, like you mentioned. Can she do it at the Oscars? I don't know. I don't. I don't know the answer to that question. It's definitely. Uh, it's definitely chaos. Interesting. If Diane Weiss left that much of a strong impression that nobody's talking about her for best support. Well, I wouldn't say she's a strong. I don't think she left a strong impression, but I think she was the best. She was okay. the best in it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, she's got an Oscar. So. Forget yeah, her. She, she won't be getting an Oscar for, for this movie, yeah. that's for sure. Um, but anyway. so Jodie Foster has two of them, and yet she's apparently now a, a favorite. Yeah, well, and so I, that's, I still that's, don't know about that. But. That's where I was going next. Uh, another question mark that I have is the supporting actress category, which was for some reason won by Jodie Foster for the Mauritanian, a, a movie that I have not seen. I have to raise my hand, but I just find it very strange that you know if someone was going to win an award for the Mauritanian, that it was Jodie Foster. Just a very strange pick. This this movie is not getting good reviews either. It it seems it is being panned by a lot of critics. Um, and yeah, it, it's it's shocking. Right? I think again, it just shows how wide open this category is, right? I mean, like, because you have like Glenn Close, right, and Hillbilly Elegy, who like people love Glenn Close, very accomplished actors, but like, there's it's the whole conversation of like, do we want this to be the movie that she wins for? Do we want this to be the performance that is known as her Oscar winning performance? Um, yeah. And then you have it like, you know, Amanda Seyfried and Mank, who I think people maybe thought was the front runner here. Um, and Her maybe stock still has really fallen, I feel like. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I am I like Mank quite a bit. I like her performance in Mank, but it just doesn't spell best supporting actress for me when I watch it. Um, yeah. So I, I, I always felt like if she was the one leading the race, then, well, it must be a weaker race this year. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's I guess it's kind of a shame that like, Maybe this is one of those, you know, situations again, almost like I feel like Best Actress is, is kind of in the same boat where 
um, you know, the best performances are unfortunately just not even in the conversation um, for uh, best supporting actress. And I was trying to find my my list here to remember. See, I had Viola Davis and Maria Bakalova down as best supporting actress. So, which um, they might still be. Who knows? I mean, I think Viola Davis is going to be in the best actress race now. Bakalova, yeah. Um, but you know, a Tully Ryder, someone like that, or mm, Odessa yeah. Young, like those are supporting actresses to me that should be considered at the very least, I think. Um, and and you know, again, um, Judas and the Black Messiah, Dominique Fishback probably should be in the conversation as well. But um, yeah. and mean, she might know, still be. Is, she might still yeah. be. This this is where we are. I, I think this race is the most up in the air um, because yeah. I can't even point. I mean, I think Amanda Seyfried will get nominated, right? I think Glenn Close will probably get nominated. But beyond Olivia that... Coleman, I mean, maybe Olivia Coleman. Maybe. Uh, yeah, like, again, prestige. it's hard to even say who is going to get nominated. That was the point that I was... Yeah. I mean, we haven't make, seen let The Father yet. Going to win. I mean, the, the problem is... we like It comes out this week, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, no one's seen The Father yet, right? Of, you know, people like us, at least. I mean, obviously, some critics have definitely seen it. Um, but, like, I've... But I've now heard that Olivia Coleman like, has a really small role in this movie. Like, it's actually... You know, it's a pretty it's a pretty minor role overall. Judy Dench won for seven minutes in Shakespeare in Love. So yeah, and Anna Hathaway won as well for a pretty slim role. Mm-hmm. Also, so it's not out of the question, but it does look the the truth is that people like that have won in the past, but they're not the favorites usually. So it'll see how it shakes out in the end. I mean, Olivia Coleman has the pedigree that you know from winning Academy Awards in the past, but we'll see. Yeah. All right, one more question mark, Scott. I, you know, we briefly talked about this movie already, and that film is is The Trial of the Chicago 7. It did win an award. It won for original screen, I guess it's not original, just screenplay. Um as you as you talked about earlier, uh when we were talking about best director and best picture drama and it maybe being one of the favorites. Do you still view The Trial of Chicago 7 as one of the favorites for the rest of award season or do you think that being sort of shut out of all the other awards it was nominated for besides screenplay has dampened the conversation and the hopes and the stock of this film. Um, no, I still see it as, as a favorite, um, not the favorite, but a favorite. Um, yeah, I think this and Mank are like the two movies that are like the locks for like, they're just going to be in every category, right? Like actor, actress, you know, screenplay director, like you can pretty much just book it for all of the big, categories uh and i mean i you know i guess nomad land is probably in there as well but um just fewer people I think, in that movie for it to be nominated yeah yeah but with Aaron sorkin you know also being the name that he is in the screenwriter i mean he, you know the closest thing to a celebrity screenwriter like household name screenwriter probably that we have um i yep. think that and, and nowadays i mean it's it's weird that that is the case now um you know, even though he's been, you know, he had the most popular show on TV that he created for four or five years that won all the awards. But it just feels like now in the last decade or so, people are really starting to know who Aaron Sorkin is. Um, you know, maybe because of his film work, right? You know, he's written some very, very good films. And probably um, has the social network. Yeah, I mean, yeah, look, that that was the movie he won the Oscar for. So it would make sense. But um, but yeah, so I think he has that going for him in the same way that like Quentin Tarantino always has that going for him when he's nominated in the screenplay category as well. People know the name Aaron Sorkin. People know the name Quentin Tarantino. And what do they know about that? They know they're a great writer, right? Like right off the bat. That's the number one thing you associate. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, that will will take him a long way in this this category because 
you know, the trial of the Chicago seven is not one of his best scripts. In my opinion, there are probably will be better scripts nominated in the category um, in the adapted screenplay category that it will find itself in. But I do think it's going to win this award maybe primarily because of the name of Sorkin. I still think it has a, a chance at best picture. Um, again, I think Nomadland has put some distance between it and the pack now after the golden globes. But I think if you want to look at the pack, this movie is either at the top of the pack or very close to the top of the pack still, I think, after the, the Golden Globes. And the Screenplay Award was a nice moment for them to say, hey, we're still in this. Like, we won something. We beat out Nomadland, right? Nomadland was in that category. And um, Trial of the Chicago 7 won instead. So there's still some hope for them to hold on to. Yeah, I mean, look, if, if it didn't win screenplay, the film was like dead, dead in the water. If it didn't win that, uh, I think I feel pretty confident in saying that I'm again, I'm a little bit cooler on its chances, I think, than than you are. I do think that it's like, I don't think this film's going to take home any awards outside of screenplay. That's just me. And it very well came to pass. And that doesn't mean it's not still one of the favorites. Uh, just because that that is true does not mean that it isn't, you know, the number two you know, in, in the race, because uh, only the number ones get the awards. So. We'll see how it shakes out over the rest of um, over the rest of award season, but yeah, I, I, it is a bit of a question mark for me, and I wonder, you know, if if it, well, I, I guess you, you could probably look at the Writers Guild uh, awards and see if it if it is able to consolidate power there, um, mm-hmm. then maybe it has a chance to move forward, and if it's able to pick up some upsets in some of the other Guild awards, you know, whether it does maybe win an award or two at SAG. Or maybe it, it does it, it does some damage at the DGAs. Maybe I mean there are some other award shows for it to potentially build some hype around it uh, moving into the season because it doesn't have to it doesn't have to worry about the immediacy of like the nominations right because you're right like it's going to be nominated in a ton of categories definitely now it's just a matter of whether they convert those categories into wins and it's and it does have time to do that so there you have it all right Scott three big losers on the night first and foremost Mank seven nominations zero wins what does this mean for its chances they're not good if we're being honest like again it's it's still going to get nominated in all of the categories but uh yeah i i don't know it, it, it's interesting right because you would have thought that this movie would be right up the alley of um you know the the people voting on these things right you know it's an old hollywood movie it's black and white it's about movies right it's about the creation of one of the most famous movies of all time um you've got a you know, no, very known commodity, known auteur and David Fincher behind the camera. Got Academy Award winning actor Gary Oldman, you know, playing your lead role. Um, but people just aren't talking about the movie in the same way that, you know, uh, they're talking about Nomadland or uh, The Trial of the Chicago 7 or Judas and the Black Messiah. You know, some of these other movies uh, or Promising Young Woman. Um I, I think that is the, the real problem for it. The, you know, the critics and you know, maybe some people within the Academy may, you know, be won over by this film that may hit them exactly um, as you would think. But uh, is there enough, are there enough, you know, people talking about the film and, and you know, keeping Mank in the conversation um, for, you know, actually winning any of these awards um, to, to boost its chances? Um, because, you know, I, I, the Academy members, they, I, I, some of them, I'm sure, are following along with the award season discourse that, you know, is going on on social media and stuff like that and are probably somewhat influenced by the films that they see being talked about. I think, you know, we'd be foolish to deny that. And Mank, 
uh, for whatever reason, is not a film that is being talked about a lot. And so I think that that will hurt its chances. Um, and I'm sure that's disappointing for David Fincher because, you know, he probably thought this was the one, right? Like, like, like with, you know, Richard Linklater in Boyhood, like you, you, you make this movie and you think, I mean, if I'm not, if I don't win Best Picture now, right? I've, I've never, I've never won Best Picture. I've never won Best Director. Um, if I don't win it now, like I'm never going to win it. Um, and that's a shame because I think, you know, Fincher is someone who is long overdue for one, right? Like, you know, he, you could, you almost could have said the same thing about the social network in a way, uh, you know, 10 years ago to the date, um, which, you know, it, it seems farcical now, right? When you look at how that movie has aged as opposed to The King's Speech, right? The movie that beat it out. Um, it seems farcical that The King's Speech could have ever beaten out The Social Network, which is now considered, you know, one of the greatest, if not the greatest film of the 2010s. Um, but that's what happened. And, uh, you know, Fincher, um, you know, was probably glad about how his film is aged, but I'm sure he would look back on... Um, you know, the Oscars as well and and think I probably should have should have the statue right now for this film. Uh, yeah. I mean look but, when he you know, when he's think when he's looking back and thinking about the I guess it was the 2011 Academy Awards ceremony, I think that he's probably ripping a few shots like he was last night when he's thinking about that. Right. That's a real bummer. It is, yeah. And uh, again I think this is this is another bummer for him as well because on paper this should have been a lot for Best Picture. All right. Um the next sort of loser I think last night has to be a, a film that had a lot of, I don't know, conversation at the very least. I don't know about hype, but conversation. And that is Promising Young Woman. It's a film, it got four nominations last night. Uh, Emerald Fennell, who Aaron Sorkin, I guess, forgot was uh, in the screenplay uh, category and not Regina King uh, <laughs> by that goof last night when he won the award and was giving his speech. But Emerald Fennell got nominated in two categories for director and screenplay. The film got nominated for Best Picture Drama. Anna got nominated for Carrie Mulligan in the Best Actress Drama category. Had nothing to say for it uh, at the end of the at the end of the ceremony, Scott. I know that you're not very high on this film, but what do you think this means for the race moving forward? Does this sort of something that they shrug off and move on because there is still this conversation happening around the movie, or is this a pretty bad sign for it? Yeah, no, I think you you said it right that. At first, right, this film had a ton of buzz, had a ton of conversation around it. And now it's felt like it's waned. Uh, I don't know where it's gone. Uh, I don't know why that that has happened, because, it, you know, it seemed like such an attention grabbing film that people were going to be talking about for quite a while when it first came out. And, you know, it was rocketing up people's, you know, hot boards for these awards and Carrie Mulligan's chances, you know, also for Best Actress were, you know, she was her stock was really rising. And now it just feels like it's kind of plateaued. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it will probably, I mean, it, I, I would be surprised if it doesn't get all of the, no, the same nominations, right? I, well, I don't know about Best Director. I think Emerald Fennell is, is maybe, could find herself on the outside looking in there for Best Director. But Screenplay, Best Actress, Best Picture, it's going to be in there. Um, but I don't think it has much of a chance. Um, and, I mean, look, it is a divisive film, right? Like, yeah. I... It, it has, you know, probably more positive people feeling positively on it than people feeling negatively. However, the people like me who are in the negative camp, I think, feel pretty strongly about um, that the film is, you know, not as productive, progressive, whatever word you want to use, as it is made out to be. Um, and it's not a film where you can easily sit on the fence um, with. And we've talked about that before with like 
yes, it may be some of voters' favorite film, right? It may be number one when they go in there to rank their preferential ballots, but it may also be number eight, nine, 10, whatever for other voters. Uh, And ultimately, I think those things are going to keep it, you know, again, stagnated, plateaued in the middle of the pack for best picture and, uh, you know, stop it from rising. Yeah, I am miraculously one of those people who sits on the fence about promising young woman. I, I I see a lot of the arguments on both sides and feel like I can formulate them on both sides as well. But I agree that it doesn't really seem like there are many fence sitters about this movie. And similar to your so, well, the way you were talking about maybe for the reasons why Borat wouldn't be so successful uh, with this uh, with the Oscar voting, uh, the Oscar voters. I think that promising young woman has enough support. Like is is divisive. Uh, in maybe the same way that you were alluding to that Borat might be and that like, I think old white guys are not going to like this movie. <laughs> like I, I, I really don't think they're, that they're going to be in the tank for this movie. Um, whereas some of the, you know, more woke, we'll put that in quotation marks, uh, members of the Academy will probably be in the camp. Maybe not one. I think there's lots of movies um, that could still be that, even if you feel strongly about it, because there are a lot of really good movies this year, um, but definitely enough to get it nominated and enough to be in that conversation on that preferential ballot that you're talking about. But again, enough detractors at the same time in a polarizing way. I'd imagine even more so than Borat to not quite uh, get over the hump in the best picture race. And it'll be interesting to see how the best actress race develops, because I think Carrie Mulligan still has a chance there. That's just the, the, the truth of the matter is that because of the way this award show broke out, because Viola Davis or one of the other favorites in quotation marks didn't get the awards that that leaves room for Carrie Mulligan, I think, still to have a push in that category. Um, but yeah, original screenplay will be interesting to see, uh, cause it is an original screenplay, right? I think, yeah. Promising young woman. Yeah. No, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that it, it has, an it, it, it could win that. It has a chance to win that. Like, uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Know, yeah. I think it has a real thinking chance about it more win. now. Yeah. Like it, it definitely could break through there with trial of the Chicago seven, you know, being over in, in the, the adapted, adapted category. category. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, the original screenplay sometimes like it's, it's, it's very hit and miss from year to year about this. Cause like, if you just look at the golden globes list of movies that were nominated, Nomadland adapted screenplay, father adapted screenplay, Mank, that's an adapted screenplay, right? Uh, Chicago yeah. seven adapted screenplay. So not to say that there aren't other original screenplays that will be competing with it meaningfully. So, but just looking on paper right now, it has a very good chance in the adapted category. And I think you look at the WGA awards and you'll be able to see really quickly who the favorite is. I think because they do break it out at the WGA. Yeah. So that's one to look out for there. Last one. And I said, there's only three, but I guess there really are two more. Um, I'll mash them together. Cause I think that the conversations around them is limited because of how few people, well, that's not necessarily fair to say. I'll say, okay, the last two films I want to talk about, we're going to group them together is the father, which also had four nominations and no awards and one night in Miami, which I think is one where, I think that it has the ability to shrug off its losses here and move past. But I wonder uh, if the father's a bit of a different beast just because it feels like this is a nomination for nomination's sake and the judgment of whether or not it can actually have legs in, in the award season will be decided in the next couple of weeks after the film actually comes out. So Scott, I'd love to hear your thoughts around these other two films who didn't get any awards, even they have a, even though they had a handful of nominations. Yeah. I mean, I, I was going to say the same about the father. I think, uh, it, it's hard to say at this point with the film just now coming out uh, this week, you know, what, what its chances are going to be. Um, yeah. It will probably, again, it will probably still get nominated, but uh, you know, just given the subject matter of the film, right. It's about someone with Alzheimer's, like it's going to have a hard time, I think, connecting with a wide audience. And therefore I think 
generating the type of buzz that it needs to really rocket itself up in the conversation. You know, again, maybe there's a chance for um, for Olivia Coleman in a different year. There would probably be <laughs> be a chance for Anthony Hopkins, but yeah. with um, you know with Chadwick Boseman in there, um, I, I think that uh, you know his chances. Uh, the ship has sailed on that. Um, as far as One Night in Miami, you know, this is another film kind of like Mank. I think when you look at it on paper, you look at the elements of this movie um, and who's involved with it. And you say, oh, well, that's an easy, you know, best picture candidate right there, possibly a front runner. Um, and, you know, it just doesn't feel like that's the case anymore. Again, another film that I think was talked about a fair amount when it came out uh, right around the time of its release. Um, but just hasn't stayed doesn't have hasn't had staying power yeah um, is part of that amazon ha- i just feel like amazon isn't committed. maybe yeah. i mean look that's kind of how i personally felt about the film right i liked the film i certainly did yeah. um but it's not one that has sat with me in the way that a nomad land or a bank or some other film in the best picture category or you know surrounding the category has um and yeah, I, I don't know what what exactly it is about the film because um, you know I think it's pretty well made, it's well acted certainly, um, but maybe it's that staginess of it. I don't know um, that people have a hard time with because it is a lot of uh, you know it is a lot of talking, and I think people come to a you know a movie when they hear that it's got Muhammad Ali and Malcolm X and the all these big larger than life figures, and they might expect something a lot different from what this actually is, um, and so that that could affect its chances as well. But yeah, I, I don't think it, you know, I think the only chance it has probably is a best supporting actor for Leslie Odom Jr. Uh, I, th- I think that's the, the only thing it has left in the, the tank probably. Um, Cause I, I, you know, it may get some nominations. Um, it may Regina King maybe get in there for best director, but get a nomination, but it's not going to win anything. Yeah. It's a bummer. Cause I really like this movie. And if you listen to our top 10 movies of 2020 podcast, I think I had, I mean, I had this at number four and now it's slipped to number five with Nomadland, but it's still one of what I think one of the best movies of the year, but yeah, it doesn't have the staying power in the cultural conversation around, you know, most of these other films that's competing with, unfortunately, uh, cause I think there's a lot there to offer, but I do hear what you're saying. I'm not someone who is bothered as much by the staginess of it in terms of the theatrical, you know, it's theater roots and whatnot, but I think there's a lot to like. I wouldn't necessarily uh, point towards Regina King as the person who I'd want to, you know, put my stock behind. Although she certainly is probably the buzziest person involved with it, besides Leslie Odom Jr., just because of who she is, not necessarily because of anything that she did, which there's nothing wrong with. But she's certainly getting a lot of attention just because she is Academy Award winner Regina King uh, directing the movie. But yeah, I don't see much chance for it. As for the father, I don't see much chance for it either. But maybe in that supporting actress category for Olivia Coleman, depending on. Where the nominations shake out, I mean, who even knows? If Bakalova is down there, then I think that changes things a little bit. But who knows? Who knows? All right, Scott, I promised some conversation at the beginning about the awards ceremony itself. And I do have a few points to touch on before we wrap things up. And the first is, you know, kind of the, I don't know, the the glaring thing going into the ceremony was this LA Times article that had come out, you know, a week ago talking about the diversity problem within the ranks of the HFPA. It was a conversation the entire week leading into the ceremony. And we even already had a conversation on the podcast about whether or not they were, um, I don't know, loading the votes a little bit to get there, to get some of the nominations of, you know, black actors and actresses 
um, to the forefront of the conversation a little bit more by, you know, awarding them the statues. But that aside, I think I'd like to ask a question of, you know, regardless of that, all those points, did the HFPA effectively address, you know, people's concerns about their membership in the ceremony? Are your, you know, are, do you feel like they made me, they, they made statements that would elicit meaningful progress in that direction, you know, moving forward in future years? Um, I don't, but I also don't think, I think they're in a, a lose-lose situation and it's of their own creation. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I, I don't think that there is anything that they could have done or said that would have really, you know, effectively addressed the issue, to use your phrase, or, you know, remedied the issue, certainly. Because um, the fact is, this should have been remedied a long, long time ago. Um, yeah. And, you know, any attempt to address it, which there was some on the evening, right? We had Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, who, you know, addressed it a little bit, two white ladies. Then we had some, you know diverse members of the HFPA coming out, right? Not Af not African-American, of course, but, um, you know, from, from other countries um, coming out to, you know, give a canned minute, two-minute speech about how speech. we have to be better and we will be better. And I mean, and that was really it, right? The, the, the more like effective, it seems like rhetoric was coming from somebody like Jane Fonda, right? Who had this whole speech about- Other white people. Here are the- yeah. Here, well, here are the, the, you know, black artists and stuff that moved yeah. me this year with their um, content. Um, and, and Sasha Baron Cohen. With his yeah. So, so the answer is no, like they didn't effectively address it, but I don't see how they could have like that. They're, they're in a, a much deeper mess than, um, you know, they, they ever should have been because they, you know, they, this should, like I said, this should have been fixed a long time ago and you can't, you can't undo that big of a mess in, yeah. you know, one evening of impassioned speeches, if they even are impassioned. I was going to say, they didn't seem very impassioned to me, but I, yeah. I take your point, even if they were, I don't know how much, uh, how much goodwill it would have curried for them. I think another element of the show, and it, I guess it's maybe surprising we didn't talk about it at first, but I just thought that there's just an even bigger glaring thing than the pandemic raging in the forefront of this conversation around race with the HFPA. And that is the bi-coastal format with Tina Fey and Amy Poehler hosting uh, at different places. I guess there's two questions laid in that. Is that one, does this hybrid format work on on two different coasts? So it's like hybrid, hybrid, like double hybrid, hybrid from different locations and hybrid from, you know, I guess medium of, of delivering content. And then second, how were Tina Fey and Amy Poehler in their fourth outing hosting this award show? Um, very anonymous in my opinion to the, to answer that second question. Uh, like it, it barely seemed like they were there. I, I can't really remember that many jokes that they made off the top of my head. Um, Ricky Gervais's absence was definitely conspicuous, um, in, in my opinion. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, I think it's hard to make that type of intentional comedy and sketches and stuff like that work in the award setting, uh, award show setting anyway it's really all about the monologue and yeah i just didn't really feel like their their monologue offered much there as far as the actual you know presentation of the awards i thought it went you know a lot better than could have you know been expected i think you know obviously we had a goof early on with daniel kaluuya not you know not it seemed like he was muted or his audio wasn't working he wasn't able to it looks like yeah. he wasn't going to be able to get his the, the jokes were already writing themselves on the first award yeah not letting the black man give his speech for his award 
but I mean, the transitions between everything were pretty seamless, right? The again, everybody was on screen during oh the God. awards. Like, it too many people like were on every, screen during the awards. <laughs> well, everyone's connections seemed to be okay, right? There, there wasn't like super catastrophic issues or anything like that. You know, the show ran mostly on time. They were only about three or four minutes over. Um, and I felt like they were able to keep it moving at a decent clip throughout. So, um, yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't have too much to say. I, th I think that, uh, too much negative to say about the administration of the, the show. I think that the Oscars could probably take some notes on some stuff for, you know, that they can borrow when, when, you know, that time rolls around here in a month, month and a half or so, uh, a couple months. But, um, I think that, uh, yeah, that they they should be commended. The producers of the show, the people who made this thing run, uh, should be commended uh, because certainly things could have gone much much worse than they did. And you know, some awkward Zoom reaction shots being the you know weirdest thing that went on, um, I think is is something that they will absolutely take and count as a win for them on the evening. Yeah, I think I think my main area for improvement would just be. Goodness gracious. I mean, please like figure out the sort of people on the screen and swapping cam like cameras onto the screen while people are giving award speeches. Like I know that happens that they like they cut to the audience and whatnot while people are giving speeches. I, I know they were trying to replicate that, but it just looked really, really weird. Um and, yeah. and, not, and did not work very well for me when they were doing that in this format. I think it was just because of kind of what we we're talking about earlier with um Chadwick Boseman's wife is that it, it's one thing when you're cutting to an audience, right? That's there in the theater, you know, very engaged in that way. But even if like insert anyone, right. Who's like super engaged with the ceremony. Definitely. Like, I'm not questioning whether anybody was like engaged or paying attention to people who are giving speeches, although there might've been some cases where people weren't. Uh, it just, it, it just feels more like, I don't know, isolated and removed in this format. And I'd almost have preferred them just not to be cutting around to different reactions of other people listening to the award speech, even though I know they do that in award show normally. It just something something felt weird about it in this setting. So I think that's that's one thing the Oscars and other award shows that might be adopting this type of this general type of format could learn from is that, you know, maybe keep it simple um, in that respect, because, yeah, look, they had the transitions pretty well. I think the weird breakout rooms right before commercial breaks were just like really awkward. They should not do that ever mm -hmm. again. <laughs> There's some really painful uh, conversations where Bob Odenkirk, I think was like trying to chat up everyone in one of them. And like <laughs> no one was responding to him whatsoever. I think Nicholas Holt didn't even know where he was. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that was brutal. <laughs> yeah. So I think overall, look, I like the flourishes. Maybe they were going for like, I like the, the creativity or ingenuity maybe of it, but it just didn't work. And I think that, uh, Award shows can, you know, in the, the rest of the season can learn from that, throw the stuff that didn't work out. Maybe maybe tinker with some stuff and try to find some other things that might work um, and, and, and trial those things. But overall, I think with this particular format, keeping it more simple, actually, I think works a little bit better just because it's not as dynamic. That's just the truth. It's not as dynamic as everyone being in the same room. Um, and it does feel a little bit weird sometimes with that. Also, uh, Catherine O'Hara's husband, whatever bit he was doing, horrible. I almost wanted I wanted to. Yeah, it, it crashed and burned. I wanted to turn the TV off during that. That was just so brutal. Um, anyway, that said, I think medium success uh, overall. Unfortunately, as a last note here before we do wrap things up, uh, this ceremony did shit numbers <laughs> last night. It was down 60% from last year's ceremony. Maybe not surprising because I was talking about about this with people at work. And I I mean, I work for NBC Universal. Like I work at a company, the company who's hosting the awards show. Um, and people were like, it, that's that's this weekend? 
So like, I think yeah. just because of the, the, the disrupted timeline being different than past years and also just the weird nature, I think of, of quarantine and the pandemic, people didn't know about this award show. And I, so I, I don't know if I necessarily know if this is a condemnation of, of this particular show, because frankly, the golden globes has been nearly as popular as the Oscars has been with their Oscars rating decline the last few years. So I'll be interested to see how that translates to the Oscars. If we see a similar dip from the Oscars, I would expect that next year when things presumably return to normal, that either everything will bounce back or award shows are dead forever. Uh, one, one or the other next year. Um, and so I think that even though the ratings are really bad, not good, uh, I, I do think it is a function of, of the pandemic more than it is a function of the films that were being awarded last night, uh, as well as just people's interest in awards overall. I just think people are exhausted. And uh, unfortunately, I don't think award show this year is the sort of voyeurism that people are looking forward to get out of their, you know, COVID existence. If anything, it's more of a reminder of it as everyone else is on Zoom and other locations. Uh, yeah. People are tired of Zoom meetings. So there you go. All right, Scott, I think that should just about do it for episode 131 of Some Like It's Got Our Belated Third Year anniversary do you have any parting thoughts to leave us with today it's been a good three years i uh i hope that we can make it through another year um yeah. with still having movies every week to to okay. review because it, it was a struggle a little bit last year and you know there is now seemingly an in some somewhat of an end in sight maybe for the pandemic um you know I with information so. starting to be circulating so um Hopefully by the end of the year or even earlier, we'll be back in theaters um, and things will return to normal. Um, but yeah, no, we'll, we'll make it work, whatever we have to do, because uh, we've come too far to not. Look, I, I am a very strong believer that if we could survive from April to Tenet, then I think we can pretty much survive anything because the truth of the matter is like distribution has adapted enough now where the doldrums of 2020 in terms of like yeah. movie drip feed. It, even if we stay, even if things end up staying longer, like say it is all the way to the end of the year until movie theaters are really, you know, really fully back and populated and films are coming out in movie theaters in that, in that way, there are going to be more releases. Like companies can't just keep, I mean like Disney can keep punting movies down the road and they're fine. Like that's not, a, that's not an issue for them, but there will be movies coming out uh, to review uh, more so, even though I liked movies like Baby Teeth and Castle in the Ground and The High Note. Love the Man Down. Yeah, yeah, like I enjoyed those movies. But those aren't the movies that we, we necessarily want to be reviewing week in, week out on the podcast. Hey, I know I own The High Note on Blu-ray. I don't know what you're talking about. I love The High Note. I think I like The High Note yeah. more than you did. You own that on Blu-ray? That's I don't know, but I, I, think we're, I, I think we were, pretty, uh, we were pretty even on it. But yeah, no, I did. I picked it up on sale at uh, Family nice. Video when it was going out of business. Well, RIP to family video, but great mm -hmm. success for you in the Blu-ray pickup. That is a very fun Indeed. movie. If you didn't check that one out, go check it out. Kelvin Harrison Jr., uh, Dakota Johnson, definitely worth seeing. Uh, anyway, I think that'll do it, uh, as I already mentioned. All right, Scott, where can people find you on Twitter? At Scarbyden. And you can find me at, at Shelton2013 over on Twitter and on Letterboxd. You can also follow our podcast on Twitter. Check out our podcast Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash pods bunch of different tiers over there check them out if you can support us we would really appreciate that if not that's okay you can still find us on all the podcast apps apple Podcasts, spotify etc wherever you listen to your podcasts that will do it we'll be back next week with a review of raya and the last dragon that is the next walt disney studios animation 
project. But until then, for Scott Harvey, I'm Scott Shelton. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Yeah, I mean, we feel differently about this movie. Uh, no, no qualms about that. I don't think that this is a movie where, on paper, this should be in the conversation for all these awards. Uh, but it was right. But it has been. No, I, that's just the truth, Scott. I don't think it. I don't think it's that great of a movie. Um, we've but, talked. But about that's it. not the. That's not. That's not. That, that doesn't have anything to do with whether it would be in the conversation for the awards. I mean, I think if you look at what this movie is well, about, it's, you look if it's at not it, a good movie. It shouldn't be in conversation for the awards. But I understand what you're saying. Sure, sure it should. But that doesn't stop movies from being. Uh, Green Book won Best Picture. I mean, that's a good movie. Green Book is a better movie than Meg. I said it. There you go. There you go. I said it. Scott's on the floor. <laughs> I guarantee. I, I don't no, know. If, I don't know if I can finish the podcast. Oh come on! That's not that crazy of a take, Scott. Scott. Green Book's a better movie than Mike. I don't think it should have won Best Picture that year, but it's a better movie than Mike. Let's keep going <laughs> before I throw up. <laughs>